0: Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church Podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Father, as we hear your word, we ask that we would be transformed by it. God, we ask that you would bring healing to the broken places in our life. In Jesus' name, and everyone would say, Amen. Yesterday I had the opportunity to drive by myself, which I don't get a lot of the time. Most of the time I have three children, a wife, and a dog, which our dog is a female too, so I'm surrounded by women. And uh, so your prayers are greatly appreciated. And if you're in my car with my family, everyone's got a suggestion for what they want to hear on the playlist. My oldest daughter, she has a playlist that she wants to hear. My middle daughter, she has songs that she wants to hear. And my youngest daughter, she wants to hear the VBS songs on repeat. So I don't really get much time to myself in the car. But yesterday, I had an opportunity to drive a long distance, be by myself. And during that time, I spent it thinking and praying. And as I was thinking about the day and everything that was going on, I became very aware of brokenness not only my brokenness, but the brokenness of humanity. How many of you understand that we all have some broken places in our life? It's impossible to go through life without finding at least a little crack somewhere, something that happened as a child, something that happened in a relationship, something that happened at work, something that happened in church. Those things happen and they tend to break us. And I want you to understand that God is not intimidated by your brokenness. As a matter of fact, Jesus is attracted to your brokenness. If you read the Gospels, you'll see him always going towards broken people. He said, I've come for those that need a physician. What is he saying? He said, I'm here for those that are sick. I'm here for those that are hurting. I am here for those that are suffering. And the good news is you do not have to live with your brokenness. I want to say it again. You may not be able to avoid being broken at some point, but you do not have to live with your brokenness because he was broken so that I could be put back together. The Bible says that by his stripes... I am made whole. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are made whole. What does that mean? You are put back together. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall and all the king's horses and therapists couldn't do anything for Humpty Dumpty, but Jesus showed up. Hello? Jesus can put your life back together. He is the healer of the brokenhearted. I want to say that again. He is the healer of the brokenhearted. Once you are healed from something, that means you don't have to deal with it any longer. So I want to go to John, the fifth chapter. We're going to start in the second verse, and this is going to lay a foundation for where we're going to go today, talking about learning to walk again. Some of us have been injured and crippled through life, and we need to learn how to walk again so that we can learn how to run again. John 5, verse 2 says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five-roofed colonnades. You could also say it has five-roofed porches. In these lay a multitude of invalids, a lot of people that are blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Years. Imagine that, 38 years of his life being stuck in the place of his brokenness, not being able to move past what has happened to him. When Jesus saw him in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Would you just turn to the person next to you and ask them that question? Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk, and at once, the man was healed now I want you to get this part at once the man was healed and then he took up his bed and walked at once he was healed that means immediately the healing happened but it was not revealed until he got up and walked away that's important I want you to chew on this for a moment maybe you want to write this down take this down as a note and really reflect on what I'm about to say over and over again and allow it to feed you because it is possible to be in possession of something that you are not aware of because sitting is easier than standing. Think about that. It's possible to be in possession of something that you are not aware of. He was healed at once, but he did not know he was healed until he used his faith to stand him up. But many times, we don't get back up because it is easier to sit in the condition that we are in. It is possible to be in possession of something that we're not aware of. I heard a pastor tell a story. He said as he was going through college, he needed some money, and so he got a job at the university as a janitor. And... As a janitor, they gave him all these keys. How many of you have ever seen a janitor with all their keys? I don't know if they do that anymore because so much stuff's digital and you've got like card passes. But I remember when I was in middle school, we had a janitor that had a huge ring. You know, it was like a hula hoop on his waistband with all these keys. And you could hear him jingling from a mile away. Why? Because he needed keys to access all the rooms of the school. Well, this kid was given these keys because he's a janitor. Well, some time went on, and a position opened up at his father's church in youth ministry, and so he applied for the position. Well, the father, as the pastor, did not want to be the one that made the decision, so he left it up to the board. Well, the the son got the job. So the son came in very excited, told his dad, hey, I got the job, I'm going to be working within the youth ministry. And so his dad gave him a key. And the son looked at him, he said, dad... I'm your son. I'm the future of this church. I need more than just one key. I mean, when I was a janitor, I had all these keys. I need more than one key. And the dad said, son, that's the only only key you're going to need. Well, the son was frustrated, but he took his one key that opened his office door and he started working within the youth group. The youth group started exploding. Things were looking very good for this young man, but then he gets the phone call that nobody wants to get. He hears that his father, his hero, his pastor, is in the hospital, and he's dying. Finally, his father passes away, and the son is just left with his discouragement. He's left with this tremendous amount of pressure and these large shoes to fill. And over the course of time, he finds out that before his father passed away, the board, he had told the board, My son is going to be the next pastor of this church. But the son didn't find out to a year and a half later. And he so he, he goes through this year and a half and and he, he wants to pray and he wants to be in the church, but every time he wants to go to the church, he has to call either a security officer or a janitor to let him in because his dad only gave him one key. Well, one night he's standing outside the church and he wants to go in and pray in the facility and there's no one around so he calls the security officer and the security officer said look I'm doing something at the university right now so it's going to be a while before I can get there. And this kid being frustrated wanting to get into the church he decides that he's going to try to break in to the church he's going to pastor and so he's banging on the door he said that he got his credit card out. He's trying to shimmy the door open. Have you ever been locked out of a, a building, uh, some door you need? I've been that, I locked myself out of the church office one day, and I needed in, and my shoulder helped me out. And, and so this kid's frustrated, so finally he decides, you know what, I'm going to take my key, I'm going to shove it in the door, and just maybe if I do it hard enough, then, then I can, you know, somehow get in. Well, he takes the key, and to his amazement, the key slides right into the door. He turns it, and he's able to unlock the door. So he walks in, and he decides, well, I'm going to go to the the choir closet, which nobody has a key to except for the choir director. He Takes his key, sticks it in the door, it turns, it opens. So then he goes to the auditorium, the sanctuary, and he goes, and he turns the key to the auditorium, and the door opens. The point is, the kid had the key he needed the entire time, but he was not aware of it. Hear what I'm saying. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you come into possession of some keys to unlock some doors. Not only do you come into possession of some keys to unlock some doors, but you also have the ability to lock some doors to keep some things out that do not need to come into your life. You have a key to lock the door to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, and you have a key to unlock. The joy and the peace and the favor and the goodness of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you probably got, say it like you mean it, you probably got what you need. Some of you aren't catching this yet. Some of you haven't grasped hold of what I'm saying. You already have what you need, you're just not aware of it. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you receive the key to get into every place he's made available to you. At once the man was healed, but he did not realize his healing until he took the opportunity to stand up and walk. The setting of this story is at the pool of Bethesda, and tradition tells us that from time to time an angel would come and stir the water of the pool, And as the water is being stirred, all the sick people would rush down as quick as they could to get in the water because the first person to get in the water after it was stirred gets healed. And around the pool, there are five-roofed colonnades or five-roofed porches. There's five-roofed places designated for people who are sick and suffering. Five porches reserved for dysfunction all filled with people who have been disabled. This is a gathering place for the broken. This is a place where down is normal. Have you ever been in a circle of people where down is the norm? That's the five roofed colonies. This is the place where they all gather together and they they, they, they swap their war stories. Well, here's what happened to me. Oh, yeah, man, that stinks, but here, listen to what happened to me. Anybody got friends like that, like they're gonna top you? No matter how bad it is uh, what you're going through, they're going to top you, and then what happens is we have a pity party, And, and, and I don't know what it is about pity parties, but sometimes they feel good. Can we just admit it? Like sometimes our pity parties feel good. Sometimes we like to sink ourselves deeper into our depression. We say we don't want to be depressed. We say we want joy, but there's just something nice. There's something comforting about sinking ourselves deeper into the situation that we are in. I don't know if anyone else is in the same boat as me, but these are the things that I experience in life. These are the things that I have to wrestle with in life. I'm a human being just like you. Did you know that? Some of you may be amazed to know that I woke up this morning and had to have a few cups of coffee to get me started. I had to brush my teeth. I don't have holy breath first thing in the morning. I had to wash the hair that I do have. I had to put my pants on one leg at a time. The difference is once I get my pants on, I walk in excellence. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but this is the place. This is the place where all the broken people are gathered together And Jesus picks out this man who's been there for 38 years and he asks him a question that seems very insensitive at first glance. He says, do you want to be healed? Now, I want to warn you up front, I'm going to mess with you a little bit today. I'm going to push you a little bit today. I'm going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable today, but I'm not doing it for your harm. I'm doing it because I love you and I want you to come out of the place that you are in. Turn the person next to you and say, Pastor loves you. And so Jesus asked this very insensitive question to this man who has obviously been sick for 38 years. He's obviously at a pool where he can get down in the water to receive his healing. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? That's a powerful question. Do you want to get better, or are you okay with your current condition? Let that simmer for a moment. Do you want to get better, or are you okay with your current condition? Do I want help, or do I want pity? Wow. Do I really want help in life, or do I just want someone to pity me? Do I want someone to feed my excuse for being in the place that I am because I think sometimes that's what we're going after and sometimes we find ourselves in a position that we got ourselves into because of our own poor choices and decisions and we want to blame someone else because it's easier to blame someone else than to take personal responsibility for our own decisions am I preaching to anybody today am I stepping on anyone's toes today Again, as I talk to you, I'm talking to myself because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go through something and want to have just a listening ear. I don't really want a solution from you, Debbie. I don't want you to tell me, well, Pastor Armour, if you'll do this, this, and this, you can correct that issue. I want you to go, oh, poor baby. Oh, it's been so tough on you. I know it is so difficult. Here's your body, your little body. She's stuck on your body. That's what we want. Am I Right. We want people to coddle us through our issue. We we act like we want to be better but we really don't want to be better. All we want is pity. We don't want help. Do you want to be well? Do I want to get well? Or has my issue become my identity? See sometimes we can deal with something for so long that what has happened to us becomes our identity. We've been in this place for 38 years. It's really all I know. Maybe there was a time that I wanted to get better. Maybe there was a time that I was actually giving effort to get down in the pool, but now it's just a part of who I am. It's who I surround myself with now. Not only am I broken, but every day I'm surrounding myself with other broken people. And instead of encouraging one another, instead of saying, hey, I tell you what, I'll help you into the water next time. And then once you get your healing, you can help me. And instead of encouraging one another and saying, hey, we're going to get out of this position, we surround ourselves with people that feed our feelings. People that give us the pity and the sympathy that we want. We want to walk but we don't want to walk away from the pain or the hurt that caused us to get where we are. Are you hearing that? I'll say I want to walk, but I'm not willing to walk away from the pain or hurt that put me in this position. We want to walk, but we don't want to walk away from the anger or bitterness of what has put us in this position. Sometimes we want healing, but we don't want to go through what it takes to get it. Years ago, I discovered that I had an issue with my left eye and it doesn't focus. So I I can see peripherally, but if I shut my right eye, everyone's, everyone's blurry. And so the eye doctor told me, glasses aren't gonna fix it, you're gonna have to go through eye therapy. And so I went through this therapy where they put on these, it looked like 3D glasses where they had a red lens and a blue lens and they would do all these things where I had to strain this eye to pull it into focus and build the muscle so that this eye would just kind of turn itself back on. Because because of the issue in my eyes, it was easier for this eye just to check out, right? Because of the strain it put on. The problem is, the therapy that I went through gave me excruciating headaches. And I was not willing to go through the headache to get my healing. Like, I, I want to see I want to see, I want my left eye to be made whole, but I'm not willing to deal with the therapy or the headache it's going to take to get the result. Are you with me this morning? And so Jesus asks this man, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? And you would think that the man would answer with a resounding yes. But instead of saying yes, he gives Jesus all of the excuses to why he can't be made well. Well, you know, I would like to, but I ain't got no friends to help me in the water. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm, I'm crippled. Been here a long time, and uh, the, the pool is kind of far away. Instead of answering with a yes, I want to be made well, he begins to give Jesus all his excuses. And here's what you have to understand. Before you can walk, you have to walk away from your excuse. Turn to the person next to you and say, before you can walk, you have to walk away from your excuse. See, I have the benefit of looking out over the crowd right now and seeing everybody's faces, and I can see some of you getting a little bit uncomfortable because you like your excuse. Sometimes we have things in our life that we hate, but we won't move past it because that is where we get our identity. It becomes our excuse for why we are who we are. And what happens is we tend to draw ourselves closer to people who will coddle us. But in this story, Jesus does not coddle the sick man. He says, do you want to get well? And as the man gives him the excuses, Jesus doesn't come back and go, oh, man, I didn't think about it that way. I didn't think about all the stuff that you had possibly gone through to get here and, and, and the struggle. Jesus turns to him and says, take up your bed. Get up, walk. Jesus brings him to a point of decision that will determine the rest of his life. Sit or walk. Ask the person next to you, say sit Sit. or walk. I am praying that somebody gets a hold of this message today because this is gonna set you free. I believe that when we pray at the end of this service today, the things that have held you captive are gonna be broken, but you've gotta make your mind up that I'm not going to sit here anymore. I am going to get up and walk. I'm not going to be held captive to my excuses. I'm not blaming anyone else. Or you hear what i'm saying listen some of you have gone through things they are legitimate hurts and the person that did it to you they should have never done it but it has happened you've got to make the decision though that i'm not going to be held captive or bondage to my past any longer because i am making up my mind i'm going to do whatever it takes to move past this brokenness because I believe that God has something better for me in my future than this current situation I find myself in. Bethesda means house of mercy, but it also means house of shame. I was looking at it this morning. I was looking up the meaning of Bethesda, and it says house of mercy, house of grace. But it can also mean in the same language, house of shame, house of disgrace. The the, the choice you've got to make today is will this position you are in be your house of mercy and grace or is this going to be your house of shame and disgrace? Are you going to stay here or are you going to move past this moment? Are you going to move past this hurt. Listen, the enemy wants you to believe that what has happened to you will define the rest of your life. But I want you to know the place of your greatest pain can become the place of your greatest testimony. You are not your pain. I want to say it again. You are not your pain. You are not defined by what has happened to you. But the enemy wants you to believe that. You may have had a friend desert you, but you are not deserted. You may have had a spouse abandon you, but you are not abandoned. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. You may have never known your father, but you are not fatherless. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? These are the things that you've got to grasp hold of because this is what's going to change your identity from the broken person to the person that is made whole. By changing your mind, change your mind, you'll change your life. Change the way you think, you'll change the outcome. Are you you following me? Life may be crushing, but you are not crushed. The only way to take back your true identity, your God-given identity with unshakable confidence is to look to the one who gives our identity in the first place. My issues have no right to identify me. Only Jesus has the right to give me my identity. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we can be sure that because he is love, we are loved. Because he is king, we are heirs to the kingdom. Because he is merciful, we are shown mercy. Because he is a defender, we are defended. Because he is a good father, we are children of God. Because he is freedom, we are free. Because he is always with us, we are always with him. I love that. I love that. I was reminding myself yesterday of Psalm 23 and the rhythms of life. There's times where you'll go through green pastures, and there's times that you'll go through valleys that are dark. The only constant is that he is with you everywhere that you go. and Because he is with you, you are always with him. Because he holds all things together, we are held together in him. And because he calls us His own, we are His. You don't have to be a victim. You can be victorious. Is this your house of shame or is this your house of mercy? Do you want to be well? That's the question that each and every one of us have to wrestle with, not just today but every day of our life. Do I want to be well or do I want to hold on to the hurt The bitterness, the unforgiveness, the pain. What is it that I want to hold on to? Because whatever I hold on to will determine my position and my identity. I have seen too many people that have been broken in life that God wanted to restore, and they never received restoration because they would not let go of the excuse. I'm an alcoholic because... I'm an angry person because I'm an abused person because and they keep on feeding the identity that is not in Christ instead of switching their mind and saying you know what that happened but it's not defining me and I'm not Bob I'm not making up an excuse anymore if I'm angry I'm owning the fact that I've got an anger issue and I'm coming to God and saying, God, I've got an anger issue and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to find my healing. If that means I'm gonna go to counseling, I'm gonna go to counseling. If it means I'm gonna find a friend, a brother or a sister in Christ that can help encourage me and build me up, I'm gonna do that. But too many times we allow the shame of where we are to keep us from seeking the help we need. I wanna say that again. Too many times we, we, we allow the shame of what we have gone through to keep us from seeking the help we need. But I've got to make up my mind that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get free from this bondage. If I need to forgive my dad, I'm going to forgive my dad. If I need to forgive my mom, I'm going to forgive my mom. If I need to forgive my siblings, I'm going to forgive my siblings. If I need to forgive my spouse or my ex-spouse, I am going to forgive them. It doesn't mean I have to hang out with them. It doesn't mean I have to do Christmas with them. But I have to forgive them if I want to move beyond where I am. Do you want to be well? Now are you seeing why that's such a valid question? Because many of us say we do want to be well, but we really don't because we don't want to go through what it takes. Before I can walk, I have to be willing to walk away from whatever is holding me. Before I can walk, I have to be willing to get up. Jesus says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And that man, just like us, we're faced with a decision. Do I sit here and continue to give all of the excuses of why I am who I am and why I will be what I will be? Or will I say, you know what, I'm getting up. And somebody needs to hear this today because you have had generations of trouble that have gone before you. And I want to tell you this today. The trouble that the generations of your past have gone through don't have to be the troubles that trouble you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of your families have been plagued with divorce, but that does not have to plague you. Some of your families have been plagued With anger, that does not have to plague you. You may say, well, it's hereditary. I get it from my genetics. That's a lie from the enemy because when I come into Christ, I am a new creation, which means I receive a new DNA. I am not who I used to be. My blood is not in relation to who I was connected to in this earth, but in who I am connected to in heaven. And my Father in heaven, all things are well, so all things are going to be well with me. You've got to make up your mind. I'm telling you, man, I've had to, Cameron, I've had to live this in my life because there were times that I allowed excuses of what had happened to me to become the excuse of why I was doing what I was doing or why I may end up doing something else. But I made up my mind, that is not going to be my story. My story doesn't end under the roof of shame. My story starts at the house of mercy, the house of grace. I am getting up. I am moving forward. Do you want to be well? Five roof colonnades. Somebody say five. Five places for the broken. Five places for hurt. Five places for shame. I also have five places for guilt of what I've been through. Five places. Somebody say five places. I want you to know that Jesus received five wounds. There was a wound in his hands, there was a wound in his feet, there was a wound in his side. There was a wound received to his head by the crown of thorns. And there was a wound he received by the whip. Five wounds to cover every area of my life, every area of my brokenness. What do I do with that? What do I do with this truth? What do I do with this information? I am so sick and tired of seeing people who belong to Christ Jesus dealing with the same issue over and over and over and over again. I'm tired of people coming down to the altar for prayer, bringing their burden to the Lord, but then they pick it back up. So many times that's what we do, we we have our burden. Pastor says, "Bring your cares to the Lord. Cast your care on the Lord, for He cares for you." And you go, "Yes." Sing "Tis So Sweet" again, Randy. Oh Lord, I just thank you today. Everything's changing. Everything's changing. Everything's changing. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, that was a good service. Still got my burden. Still carrying my burden. Still carrying my shame. At what point in time do we say, I'm getting well? I am getting well. Because your disability is affecting every relationship you are in now. See, some of you think a new relationship is gonna fix something. But well, the reason a new relationship doesn't fix anything is because you're carrying the same baggage with you everywhere you go. And here's the problem, Bob. I will project on her what she has done to me. Because of the abuse I've walked through, I will always look for an abuser. And what happens is you will always find what you're looking for. And even if this could be a healthy relationship, you will turn them into a miserable human being that eventually lashes out at you because of your behavior and you're getting exactly what you wanted so that you can go, you know what? I knew it would happen again. You know what? I'm done with church. You know why I'm done with church? Because church hurt. I've been hurt by the church. I hear that all the time. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Sometimes we are looking for something that doesn't even exist. I had a lady leave our church one time because she said I wouldn't make eye contact with her when I preached. Think about that. Think about that. She pulled something from her life. Some kind of insecurity, she brought that into a church service and thought that I was intentionally not looking at her. Well, so-and-so shaked everybody's hand today, but they didn't shake mine. I saw John, as everybody walked in, John was like, it's going to be a great day. But he didn't say it to me. John must be a racist. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, this may hurt, but we make up so many excuses to help coddle our own feelings and our own insecurities. And instead of dealing with the root of why we are where we are and letting it all go, we carry it around. But today, I'm going to invite you to join me at this altar. And I hope that every single person comes down because I really believe that we're all dealing with something in our life, something that maybe we're not even aware of. This this morning as I was praying, I was saying, God, if there's any brokenness in me that I'm not even aware of, I want healing. God, if anyone has done me wrong, maybe I don't even consciously think about it anymore, but if somebody has done me wrong, God, I want to forgive them because I don't want to be in any kind of bondage. I believe, I believe, I am persuaded there is healing in this place today. Don't allow it to be a a house of shame. Don't allow it to be a house of disgrace. Don't allow shame to keep you in your seat. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't allow the opinions of people around you to keep you seated where you are. It's nobody's business. This is between you and God. This is your opportunity right now to be selfish. So right now, as as the band begins to play, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand up. If you would all just stand with me. And what I wanna do is, I wanna develop a line. The line is gonna come down this aisle. You're gonna walk across the front of the stage. We're gonna agree together. It doesn't take a long time. We're gonna agree together and then you can go back to your seat, but don't let this be the day Sit and set a stand. Don't allow this to be the day that you allow freedom to pass you by. Because you know what I'm aware of? I'm aware of the fact that this life doesn't last forever. And none of us are guaranteed another moment beyond the moment we're in. And so, if there's anything in me, I want to make it right, right now. And this is not a ploy, this is not an emotional thing. If you are not ready to let things go, then do not come forward. This question that Jesus asked the man is the question you have to answer today Do you want to be well? And are you willing to do whatever it takes? Do you want freedom? Now go ahead and move from your seats if you want prayer.